Hello and welcome to Community Topics number 16 of Dualistic Unity. I not here to teach you, not here to try and get you to believe in anything. Just here to promote a mentality of, of questioning and curiosity that eventually gets you to a state that's maybe just a little bit freer than you are right now. And I share your passion for promoting that state of curiosity. I am interested in things. I'm interested in life as a whole, existence. I just love it. And all of the deep conversations and even superficial conversations that go into exploring what life is all about. I love it. And I think because I love it so much, the people that I talk to have an opportunity to really fall in love with it as well, because I'm passionate and enthusiastic like yourself. And so that's what this is really all about. And as a result, people look at us and go, hey, here's some, some really good stuff that maybe I can use in my life. And there's a degree of trust that kind of goes with that. And I caution people about that specifically because, you know, it's like the expression, never meet your heroes. You're forming an idea of us. And I think that's really my point. Andrew, you and I talk about very deep things. We get to a very vulnerable state where we are able to look at life in various different ways on different scales of complexity and, and symbolism. But if I were to tell you that this entire time we've been talking, I had an ulterior motive that I was somehow keeping from you, that I talked to other people about without you knowing, it would change the entire relationship with me, wouldn't it? It would, in fact, almost distort and diminish everything I've ever said to you to the point where now there's a lack of trust. There's another division, right? And it's not the trust in expectation, but now there is this, this nagging itch. What are you keeping from me? And more importantly, why? And that creates the need for trust because it creates distrust. And so immediately there's a division that now we have to find a, a way to build a bridge across. And so that brings us to the topic for today's episode, which as voted on by our community is the Freemasons and expectations. And so before we go any further, I just want to say to the listener, thank you for going on that merry jaunt. I promise I don't have any ulterior motives, but then again, you don't really know. Just want to throw that back in there. It's like the expression that uh, you might be paranoid, but that doesn't mean they're not out to get you. I'll leave it at that. We will start covering the Freemasons now. Andrew, I've had quite a bit, quite a bit of experience with this. I've actually talked to Freemasons and they tried to recruit me at one point in my life. So. I'm very curious as to what you came up with in your research. Oh boy. Oh man. That was a, that was a fucking awesome intro. I could see how you've already like tied the topics together. <laughs> fucking a brilliant, brilliant. Um, so yeah, uh, good on that. And yeah, whether or not you have expectations of me, I guess, you know, I know it's, you're most likely kidding, but at the same time, I, I actually, I actually don't know, <laughs> but doesn't matter. I'm here now. And uh, yeah. So anyway, it's funny. You've had so much experience or a decent amount of experience with Freemasons talking to them. And I've got like three solid YouTube videos under my belt. So that's that's where we're coming from. But uh, so, you know, whether or not you, the listener, have a bunch of experience understanding the Freemasons, where they're coming from, or you don't. 
that's okay. We're going to talk about them and you know, eventually get to expectations as well. But from my understanding, through my through my research, <laughs> through uh, the beautiful thing that is YouTube, um, basically from my understanding is it's a secret society. It's like a fraternity in a way, in a sense, a sort of, of brotherhood that's been around for a very long time, starting, I believe, back around the 1700s in, I think, uh, UK, London area was the first area that they started developing. And it was circled around masons, like masonry. And eventually, you know, that was very much the focus early on. It was a group of them and then just sort of became this brotherhood over time, like a, a big, big old fraternity. And so throughout the years and over time, even till today, they're still around to a degree. And there have been a number of members, some very famous people who have since passed, you know, past presidents, past very famous artists. I think Mozart was a Freemason. Um, so a whole slew of people. And there has been a lot of not a lot of controversy, but some speculation into, you know, what the hell happens with the Freemasons. And I think the reality is no one actually really knows from some of the interviews that I heard from Freemasons. Sounds like they don't make a huge deal of it. It's like, it's just a group of guys that I like hanging out with, basically get a beer with, go, go hang with and get some food together and, and whatnot. And so I think it's interesting how with these secret societies, we don't really know what's happening, but we enjoy speculating, creating ideas of like, oh, they must be doing some fucked up shit because they're being all secretive. The reality is we don't know. It could just be a group of people hanging out, could be a group of people doing some crazy ass fucked up shit. We don't really know, but that's a little bit uh, of my understanding of them so far. That's awesome. And you're right to some degree that we don't really know, which is kind of the problem. But on the other hand, it's also really important to recognize that there is such a spectrum in terms of involvement. Just like with corporations, you have subsidiaries of subsidiaries of subsidiaries. And ultimately, they're all just dancing to the beat that's dictated by the hub by the main corporation that's calling it. And they may not even know that, which is why on, um, on mainstream media, you will see hundreds of different news channels saying the exact same line over and over and over again at the exact same time. It's like, why? Well, because they're being dictated from a central, a central location, from a central intelligence, as it were, right? From the headquarters, like they're being dictated by a certain hierarchy, right? And they don't know that. And so that's important as well. This is, the, this is unfortunately the nature of secret societies. There are secret things happening. And it's really important to recognize it's not just the members keeping secrets from the non-members. It involves members keeping secrets from members, right? Because even in the Masons, there are three degrees of being a Freemason, right? You go through different levels as an initiate. Right, very much like actually becoming a mason. Right, and each of those levels, you get access to different types of people. 
you get looked at in different ways and allows you to make different connections. And some of those connections, and this is the thing is that we make the assumption of thinking that every Freemason lodge is the same as every Freemason lodge. And that's not true. In most cases, in small towns, and even in cities, most lodges are just people who are hanging out, making business connections, you know, kind of rubbing elbows, getting out of the house, that kind of thing, right? But that's not all of them. And they all stem from a rich history. Like we say, oh, it's, it came from the Masons. That's an important part. Like you have to remember that the Masons back in, in the Middle Ages were responsible for all of the cathedrals. They were responsible for all of the major building. So you imagine how much money is in that. You imagine how much influence is in that. Not only that, how were they Masons? They were Masons because they understood how to use the square and compass. So they knew mathematics. And so there was, there was knowledge there. And so you have to look and go, okay, so they were a secret society. They were deeply interwoven with the church and government, which they built for both and the richest families at the time, which they built for. You got to remember the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers are also Masons, right? And so there's all of that. And if you go to the oldest lodges in Europe, they actually have way more ceremony. They have way more ritual. They have way more esoterica than your average North American lodge where people are just getting together to, to rub elbows and do business. Like there is a rich history there and there's an ancient history there that even spans back farther than those 700 years because secret societies have been around forever, forever. And that's the point of them being secret, right? And so give you an example. The Freemasons are only one of a small group of secret societies. The Freemasons being the root or the tree and all of these other secret societies that came off of them being branches of it, like uh, the Order of the Eastern Star or the Shriners. Those are all Freemasons, but they're different sects of those Freemasons. Okay, so what if the Freemasons are a different sect of a larger society, which is why you have other societies like the Knights Templar, okay, who are more oriented towards religion, and its history with Jerusalem and all, and the Crusades and all that, right? So different purpose, same underlying reach, same secret society kind of deal where it's underneath the surface. You don't know what's going on or why. So we keep going back and you start realizing that there have always been secret societies and they've always been kind of influencing things behind the scenes. Like there were secret societies uh, in Rome and Greece, except that those secret societies were called mysteries, right? Uh, like uh, the, the Dionysians, for example, they, they were a group of people who worshiped Dionysus, right? And, and so they had their own agenda. There were all kinds of, of mysteries like that in Greece and Rome as well. And before then, ancient Egypt, where you had the Osirica, or the Osirica, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct, but basically a secret society of people who worshiped Osiris the god Osiris, the god, the god of life and death, the afterlife and resurrection, existence, the god of existence. And there was a secret society about Osiris way back before any of that. So what's to say that that secret society hasn't been secretly changing its name 
forever and constantly been maintaining this old world knowledge. Like the, the idea of the Illuminati, for example, is another branch. But you notice it always comes back to a deeper understanding of anything of reality than anybody else is talking about. Like they're always guarding knowledge. They're always maintaining some degree of awareness. That's if they exist. And this is the point is that if they have that knowledge, if they do exist, if they are as they say they are, because the Freemasons actually say we are a brotherhood of people come together regardless of religion, regardless of concept, regardless of borders. They're saying we're all one. And yet we're keeping things from you. And that's the problem. So... Yeah, I think this might just be a, a episode with some questions for me. <laughs> so with that, you know, if if there are deeper recognitions, do you think it could be that they recognize more deeply where we're as as a society, you know, collective ego wise in the Jane Lovinger's like ego development, they kind of can see that and they are in a way kind of like they see things pretty deeply and clearly and almost keeping things secret because they know or have an idea or you know expectation of how it may be received by society if it's expressed openly so they could it be that they almost progressively expel this sort of information out into the open but have sort of like a strategy around it i don't know but i think it goes beyond the stages of ego development i think that if we're talking about the level of esoterica that we're talking about if, if we're talking about this insight but practiced over thousands of years and ultimately hidden despite being known right then it would make more sense that they would just be creating a structure kind, kind of like training wheels as humanity goes through the process of coming to that same insight collectively. So that's why the Illuminati, things like that, right? Like, it, it, it's like, what do you mean by the illuminated ones? What are you talking about there? Like, do you, do you recognize that this, that you, this is all you? In which case, how can you justify the positions of power? Right? Like, I understand, you know, you can't fight human nature, but the lack of transparency I think is what's killing us. I, I think that if this was just a common conversation all the time, as we're trying to make it, except we're trying to build it from the ground up. But imagine if all the knowledge, for example, that was at the library at Alexandria, right, was actually still salvaged by some secret society somewhere, and they actually still had it. That'd be that'd be really valuable. But if the thought was, well what would humanity do with it? They'd probably ruin it or distort it or turn it or turn it into another tool of the ego. I don't know. I make the argument. It's still better to have it out there. Yeah, I'm with you. And so another part that I learned in my research, for the most part, it seems like there's a requirement to believe in some sort of higher power, some sort of God. Do you think that could be, you know, you're talking about the different sex sex with a cts of the freemasons that they keep secrets from each other and so could it be that you know the ones who see it 
most clearly or most deeply recognize that they are that higher power that everyone else is is believing in and it's almost like it's almost like a test to a degree like i'm just like you know throwing shots in the dark but for those who are new to see if they just follow or if they speculate and are willing to speculate in a way or what do you think could be the relationship with that need for them at least parts of them from what i researched that they need to believe in a higher power like it's a must it's like you can't really force someone to believe in something they can kind of fake it sometimes too right and so it doesn't necessarily mean that they actually do even if they just play the part just because they their priority is to be to be in the group but i'm very curious about that requirement despite not holding on to religion so much they acknowledge a supreme being or a grand architect that there is actually a rhyme and a reason to reality so they're just acknowledging that there is a grand architect they're acknowledging that there is some underlying force and and, and that's fine the fact that they they all have to reconcile that again kind of implies that ego is still at play within this structure regardless of the insight that might be driving it still at play so it still falls victim to to religion to some degree but i wonder how much they actually lean away from belief and lean towards just acknowledgement i don't know myself because i think that would again that would depend on on the lodge and and the degree of mason that you are as well as you know where you are within that spectrum from the core out to the branches as it were um yeah it's a, it's a damn good question because i think again that is that's another problem. I think that that's probably the reason. Oh, maybe that's interesting. Maybe that's the reason that they're being so non-transparent, or maybe that's the reason that they're being so secretive, is because they still believe in, and it's because they still believe in a supreme being that can judge them. That's a good point. It's like that belief, or or that fear of not being it, that perception of division, essentially that they're still experiencing to a degree would cause them to feel like they need to keep it hidden because they don't recognize that it's just them or it's just me they still very much as clearly as they may see certain things there's still there's still a barrier there there's still a wall that is the reason that it's still secretive that everything they're holding on to is still secretive because they feel like they they need to in a way hmm. and then they have something to protect because they're they're identifying with the secret society and so the cycle of the ego continues but one has to wonder let's just play this as a mental exercise that you are in fact uh, a member of a family that has been part of this lineage for centuries and you grow up understanding some of the deeper things that this is all one thing. And that's how your family came to the position that they're in, where they control a sizable portion of what the rest of us just consider to be uncontrollable reality. And they do so at a whim. That would be a whole other level of ego politics, if you think about it, to have that kind of influence 
and other people in your sphere with that level of influence, all of which in the spectrum of egotism, right? Because that's the, that's the point is that this insight has to constantly be renewed in the moment. Even holding on to a version of it from the past becomes a danger because now we're putting it up on a pedestal, right? Now we're looking at it in a way where it is otherworldly, where it has the power instead of the power being in the present. So I wonder how much of those secret societies are based on the preservation of past knowledge that people haven't come to again yet, rather than an understanding of what that past knowledge was actually pointing towards at its core. Yes, yeah, just like with with religion, you know, someone like Jesus recognized certain things, and then you believe in what he said. So is it not the structure of the society itself that's keeping them from that deepest recognition? Like the, the thing in and of itself is the thing keeping them from it. Like you can go as far as you possibly can, but if you still think you're a part of a secret society that is in some way divided, you're never actually going to see it. So it's like the thing is keeping them from it, from being able to see it. Regardless of their intentions, because think about it, to begin with, the intention would have been to preserve this knowledge in a world that had turned its back on it, right? Like when I mentioned the library at Alexandria, there was a long period of war as humanity kind of reeled from whatever catastrophe happened 10,000 years ago that set us back so, so far, right? So at first the intention was we got to protect this. And then they built in a, a structure to do so. And that structure betrayed them over time. And isn't that the point when we expect something to do the work for us instead of having faith and just continuing to do it ourselves and letting the ripples continue there was nothing to protect there's no ancient knowledge we have to get back to that knowledge is still here in the place that it came from which is our awareness we're trying to protect the past and it's rooting us there and causing the distrust that makes that past seem more important it's like somewhere along the way there was a shadow of a doubt because it became this thing and rather than having faith there was doubt and through the doubt there was structure through the structure it it like the insidious way of the collective ego took it down as far as it could go because somewhere along the way you know maybe someone did see it recognize it they they saw it for what it was and there was a degree of fear and a degree of doubt rather than just pure faith that you know we'd be okay and that shadow of a doubt created the subtlest wall the subtlest barrier became a structure which you know was was created to protect the recognition and that structure is the is the exact thing that took us so far away from it absolutely it's so interesting because the core insight was that we're all one and it built a hierarchy that divides us even more and i wonder at what point because you know it wasn't like it's not like this for every member if this society exists whoever understands what we're saying would be 
probably fairly quiet I, compared to all those other very powerful players around them who would be very tempted by ego, right? And I, I think that's just so very interesting because yeah, at some point, the power that came along with the history of knowing whatever this was, just being able to use this knowledge to your advantage, as well as the structure that you've built around these secret societies. Because again, some of the most famous people have been in secret societies. So what did those people do? Ben Franklin, George Washington, they did instrumental things that changed the entire course of society. Why? Well, that's a good question. We know that they were members of these secret societies, right? So what direction are we going in and what's the expectation, right? Have we, have they, if they exist, lost the path so much that they've given up on the insight ever coming to fruition, that they've just satisfied themselves with power? Kind of like uh, Jesus, when he was talking about living like a servant whose master would come home in the night unexpected have they become comfortable and is that the reason that they're so resistant to this insight now changing society because i would have to say that from the general tone throughout government and corporations which were ultimately just the branches of these uh older richer families with more influence uh the tone is is not that this insight would be welcome and so I have to wonder if they even see this coming. So if they recognize that or had you know, an expectation, I feel like we're, we're towing around expectations. It's kind of just like a part of the conversation now where I don't think this is going to be an episode where it's like Freemasons expectations just kind of blending together at this point. So they had an expectation, which is a fear, which is, you know, whatever of this being taken in a certain way so it's like they're almost protecting it and it makes you wonder because ben franklin invented electricity right yeah yeah sorry he's given credit whatever it makes me wonder, like with electricity just looking at that could that have been seen as a way to keep this hidden in a way could they have maybe had this idea that oh, okay, this is something, if we can harness it, it can be utilized and take us out of, or, or push us into a more divided mentality. Again, this is just speculation because electricity has has kind of been a core of our society currently in a way. It's allowed us, or, or the egotistical mentality to just, you know, kind of soar and and go on this trajectory of, of exponential sort of growth through that. So it makes me wonder if just hypothetically, Ben Franklin was a Freemason. They did have this idea or expectation that, you know, the recognition would not be taken very well. They are dropping things into society that potentially keep us in the mentality that doesn't recognize that we're all one, that this is all the same thing. Again, just speculation, but it makes me wonder. Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, I think that, again, as with any structure, you would have people working 
as a result of self-reflection and people working as a result of comfort and a need for power, right? I think there would be a division there. So looking at Ben Franklin, I think that you would almost hesitate to go, was this malicious? Because of some of the other things that he's been involved with, considering the amount of bodies and whatnot that were found on his property. The point being is that he was very much a product of that mindset as well. And as a member of a secret society would have been privileged to power and influence to some degree. So it's a very good question. It's a very good question. My immediate thought when you mentioned the fact that he discovered electricity was the fact that, again, if we're talking about secret societies, ancient Egypt had electricity, right? They actually had um, vases or pottery where they would fill it with different chemicals in the same way that we make a battery. And they were actually able to create electricity. So they knew that back then. So it makes you wonder if that's just knowledge that they've decided, okay, we need to bring that back now because there was a next step that they wanted to take. Fucking A. Oh man. So could it not be that, you know, the secret society is, is kept secret because there are things that we don't I'm curious, uh, whoever came across the internet, what their backstory is, if that wasn't potentially something, you know, tens of, because who's to say we have this whole idea. And we've talked about this before that we are in the most progressive part of society that's ever been in all of reality, all of eternity. And we have this, I don't know, just clean cut idea that, oh, we've just, you know, progressed and now we're here. And this is the most advanced society that has ever been. It's like, we only have 10,000 years of written human history. Who's to say that this hasn't all happened before, like a bunch of times. And there has been this knowledge that has been kept hidden and brought back, say it was 50,000 years ago, whatever, that there were certain things that were there and it's been kept and, and placed back in and, you know, given credit to one of the members for bringing it back. Who's to say that it hasn't always been? Who's to say there's not things right now that could be recognized or utilized to take society in a certain direction? And depending on where they want to take society, they drop something new in, drop in a new invention that's never been discovered ever. But who's to say that it hasn't? Or they limit inventions so that that way they can't work to the same capacity. I mean, uh, solar panels were actually limited to 15%, I think it's 15% efficacy by the US government in the 70s or in the 80s when they came out. So there was actually a law saying, no, you can't create a solar panel that's more efficient than this. Why would you do that? If not to limit the use of that technology, right? And then unleash it as necessary. And that's the thing, now we're facing all of this with uh, the oil shortage and oil prices and all that. And we, we saw that coming years ago, years and years and years and years and years ago, all this stuff that's happening with OPEC and, and everything else in Russia, um, we saw that coming. And so now all of a sudden there's a need for us to have more efficient technology in terms of renewable energy. And so now we're changing the rules. So do you think there's a deeper understanding or like, you know, the, the core you're talking about, sorry, the episode of when, uh, bunch of news networks all say the same exact thing i i'm actually curious with that as well as you know limiting the 15 percent of the solar panels back and then you know recognizing the inevitability of of some of the things we would go through as a society with 
you know, oil or whatever it may be, energy and whatnot, and then being able to bring it back at the you know perfect time and and I guess probably in a way profit off of the the bringing it back to a degree, but that as well as you know news channels all saying the same exact thing at once. What were you referencing with that? Oh, just that again, um, we are influenced by certain core industries, certain core interests that we're not even aware of. Like I said, all the news media being told to say the exact same line in reference to a certain event. The reason is because that line, that specific sentence has been curated to have a certain impact on society. If the wording was different, it wouldn't have the same impact. And so the head body basically just sends out a memo saying, this is what we want you to run with. And they all say the same thing. You can find clip after clip after clip of this. It's funny. Um, I think it was either the daily show or uh, last week tonight. Occasionally they'll show you this where they'll, they'll show you like two news agencies, two completely different news agencies saying the exact same thing. And then four and then eight and then 60. And it just covers the whole screen. And they're all speaking in unison despite all being owned by separate companies in different states. So are they owned by separate companies? And the answer is no. That's why we have, you know, giant, giant mega companies that own trillions of dollars of asset. Think about that. How many companies does that one mega company own? And you're never going to know because you, you don't have to know they can own it through other subsidiaries, right? Each subsidiary buying up a certain share, but there's still one chain of command calling the shots all the way down all of those different pipelines. And it comes out as being, oh, the will of the people. Is it? Oh, God, this is very interesting because they know the influence that everything has is if all of the news stations, if everyone, everything is saying, you know, the same thing, they, of course they know it's going to influence people. And then those people are going to think differently. Like the mind is very malleable. It is very easily influenced by its environment. Politicians know it too, yeah. right? They know it. Why do you think politicians craft their speech why do you think they have speech writers that go through with focus groups and actually use different wording to see what lands and what doesn't and how it lands and what the reaction is it's a science they understand that there is a certain mentality where we are predictable and as long as the majority of us are in that mentality they can pretty much just move us around at their whim uh, David Icke does a really good job of talking about problem, reaction, solution. This is something that you're going to see a lot of now that I've just mentioned it. The government or corporations will often do this. They will introduce a problem. They will wait for a reaction. And then they will offer a solution that benefits them. And that has been done throughout our entire history. I, I think I mentioned this before, um, the Rothschilds. Rothschilds are one of the wealthiest families in the world and have been for hundreds of years. And it's because hundreds of years ago, there were five brothers, five Rothschild brothers. And this was back in a day when you were carrying gold around, right? So people could rob you pretty easy. And so 
Each of these five brothers opened up different, five different counting houses in different countries. And so what this gave them the ability to do that nobody else could do was to guarantee money on behalf of one of the other brothers. So for example, if you were a merchant living in France and you said, I have to send this much gold to my company in Britain, ordinarily there would be a lot of risk in that because then we'd have to load your gold onto a cart or onto a carriage, bring it to a ship, put it on the ship. There's pirates, there's you know, highway robbers, there's all kinds of things, not to mention acts of God, you could lose your gold, right? And so instead of all of that, they would just write a note saying, dear bro, cover this amount in your country. And boom, that's how, that's how they became so popular and so rich and so rich. And so now they are one of the wealthiest families in Europe. And uh, along comes the Napoleonic Wars. And because again, they had agents in every country, okay? Napoleon had just broken out of jail. He was back. He, I think it was the Battle of Waterloo. And uh, the, uh, the English were very nervous because of course he's coming, right? And they were worried that they'd lose the battle. And so all of the rich bankers were concerned about their investment in various holdings that would have been threatened by Napoleon winning that battle. And they're all gathered in the Bank of England and they're all worried and they're concerned. And Rothschild, who was there at the time, had messengers when, where the battle was happening. And so he was the first to hear that Napoleon had lost. He heard it before anybody else did. And what happened was he told the messenger, I want you to come back to the bank in about five minutes, walk up to me and whisper this in my ear again. So he goes into the bank and he leans up against one of the pillars, you know, waiting for word like everybody else, knowing what's coming, right? Everybody's watching him because they know like he's connected. Messenger comes in, whispers in his ear. Rothschild just drops his head as though they had lost the war. Everybody sold everything they owned, pennies on the dollar, and guess who bought it? So you think about just stuff like that, the amount of connections that were able to make sure that he knew what was gonna happen first and hedge his bets, just in that alone. Could you imagine the network of Freemasons, the network of connections, the network of corporations that are all run by these people who are all rubbing elbows together? passing on information that maybe they don't even understand is being sent up the chain. Like there's so much capacity for what if. There is so much in terms of, huh, that's really curious. And to turn a blind eye to it is difficult. And it should be, because that is something that you should consider. On the other hand, it's really important to remember, it doesn't matter because what is always comes full circle. What they've been trying to hide and use is eventually going to make them powerless. And their desperate struggle to avoid that is going to become laughable at some point. Just got to ride it out. Yeah, their, uh, their inherent expectation or desire to keep whatever they're keeping is going to be the downfall inevitably but fuck that whole story is so 
fascinating and interesting. I, I'm like trying to process the whole thing as, as you're saying it. I'm like, wow, there is so much there and just so much potential. And it's almost like they were able, because we were so limited in our global communication, having that was like a superpower. It was like being able to travel back in time and bet money on a certain thing that you already knew the outcome of. Like that's a reality they were able to curate by being able to communicate in that way. And funding both sides of the war because they were funding Napoleon and his opponent. So is that is that where the military industrial complex does the exact same thing? So is that where it came, it almost came from? That no, this is just business as usual, right? Yeah. That's the problem. It's just business as usual. And it's all done in the name of capitalism, right? But it's done with such a lack of awareness for where it's coming from, what it's doing, how it's influencing us on a collective level. Because as soon as you start having this conversation, and I want to caution the listener about this, you start to think, oh God, it could be that. It definitely is that because you're afraid and you feel disempowered. I just want to let you know, this is all speculation. This is all speculation. We could start talking about the Anunnaki next and reptilians. If you really want to expand the story and really get into um, the more questionable stuff, like this is all speculation. None of it could be happening. Understand that this is almost more terrifying. The current state of the world is actually just the result of stupidity. Like it might not actually be the result of some nefarious plan done by some secret society that's been around for our recorded history. That might not actually be. The Freemasons actually may just be completely lost in a story and, and just really stoked to have their own clubhouse, right? They might actually think that they have more power than they do. And it's not any of this esoteric stuff, that they're just greedy, secretive businessmen. It's all just what if. The important part is what you take out of this. The important part is what you take from this what if, from widening your context into what could be. Not just about the fact that there are people pulling the strings, but that there is such a rich history behind our culture, behind everything that's happening, that there is so much nuance to everything that influences your reality. And that the mentality of control always seeks to preserve itself and has expectations that it will continue to do so into the future. The mentality of surrender has no need of secrets or expectations. And recognizing and relaxing into the reality that you don't know. We don't know. As Ray said, this is all speculation. So stay curious. And you know, the opposite of curiosity and relaxing into the reality of uncertainty is holding on to ideas, holding on to beliefs, holding on to expectations for what you think that it is and what you think it means about you. Because as soon as you're expecting something of reality of yourself, you're no longer free. You're, you're living up to an idea. You're holding on to an idea because, because you're afraid. So relaxing into that reality allows you to remain free, stay curious, stay free, and you know, recognize that you're going to be all right through it. Like 
through it. It's it's going to be, I hate saying like, oh, it's going to be okay. But remaining curious allows you to recognize that there is there is nothing to fear. It's the expectations, you know, for things to turn out in a certain way that are rooted in the fear, in the deterring from the reality of uncertainty. If you become okay with that, recognize like you'll be all right through the uncertainty, through the not knowing what it is. It's not about knowing it. It's just about continuing to to question it and see where it takes you because there's nowhere you need to get. Exactly. We're basically in letting go, we are undermining the foundation that the Masons could build anything upon, which is fantastic because it's really just an exercise of freedom, which you've been doing this entire time. So there's nothing to worry about there. Um, this has been a fun episode. There's a lot in this conversation, but do treat it as just a story. The reality is you. The reality is here now. That's it. These are all just considerations and things to add to the story and make it more interesting, if anything. But I do want to say that if you are interested in occult symbolism, esoteric knowledge, and the rich history of that symbolism, go and check out Jordan Maxwell. Jordan Maxwell uh, spent a good deal of his life exploring this stuff, sometimes to an absurd degree. Admittedly, there were certain things where he's saying, this is a symbol for this. And you're like, yeah, I kind of see it. But it really is interesting. And so if you're interested in that, I would recommend him. So that's all I have to say on this subject. Andrew? That's all I got. This has been a fun one. Uh, I, yeah, there, I know we went all over the place again, all speculation, all just, you know, Ben Franklin being a Freemason, dropping electricity into reality. Like who fucking knows, but it's fun to talk about. It's fun to chat about. And again, just the conversation, taking it lightly, not taking it too seriously, not letting it, you know, freak you out. It's just all speculation, but that's, what's fun about being reality, not needing it to go anywhere, just allowing it to be what it is and continuing to, to process it and learn shit. Cause it's fun, but not for any reason or, or expectation that you hold on to for yourself, just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. More discussion, right? Uh, that all said, I just want to remind you, dear listener, that if you have a topic that you would like us to talk about, do join us on Discord or Patreon every week. We have a vote. You can suggest a topic. Other members can vote on it. If your topic wins the vote, then we will discuss it in the next week's episode. We love these suggestions. Uh, there was one suggestion about alien abduction, and the reason it didn't make it to the vote is, frankly, because neither of us have been abducted by aliens. And, and while I can speculate, about that entire experience very much like this episode it would be just speculation and i don't have as much in terms of what to work with to make that an episode and that's why it's never it never made it to the vote and i just wanted to explain that but that all said thanks so much for joining us we will see you next week bye everyone